Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. For people who are watching this right now, you don't know this. A little behind the scenes, a little behind the curtain. When uh, when Chris Sims got lied to by Kyle Shanahan, NBC called me up and was like, can you replace him full time? Uh, and I was like, no, I can't. He has to keep working. So um, I, I, I said no to that, but I am back temporarily for a Friday. Big Cat stirring it up on Friday, <laughs> peeling it. back the curtain, revealing the secret conversations that transpired in the aftermath of the 2021 draft. Chris, do you have a response? I, I No, I don't. I mean, I didn't know I was, you know, I didn't know the company was working behind the scenes to replace me there. So that's news to me. But I mean, I understand it. He's big time. He's Big Cat. Yeah, no, it's a shame. Kyle Shanahan lied to me and... Uh, I've been hurt ever since. My whole reputation's on Hang fire. on. Let, let, let's, <laughs> let's just make this clear. Yeah. Let's make this clear. It was a joke. And what we're doing now is joking. Someone believed it and emailed me. Oh, is that right? was like, oh, yes. Now, I, I have bad news for you. They, they were upset that it, the, the change That's, didn't happen. But, <laughs> but they believed it. Right. They believed it. And yeah. I tried to tell the guy... It was a joke. It was a bit. And he was like, sure, sure it was. Well, he was sure probably was. one nice of those try. guys that was still like, you know, he listens to Big Cat for hard-hitting football knowledge, like Blake Bortles is a top three QB. He's probably one of those fans. So that's probably why he wants Big Cat there. Yeah, it makes sense. Idiots or, follow or, idiots. Or one of those fans or one of those <laughs> fans that thinks your fair and honest criticism of Tom Brady flows solely from oh. the fact that you're Jealous. Oh, that's right. Jealous. Je- well, get ready. Jealous. Get ready. Why Number so 10 jealous? is coming in today. That's right. Why Number are you so 10. Jealous? That's right. Yeah. Why am I so jealous? Did you have a good Father's Day, though? On a good, on a good note? Uh, yeah, I, I had a great Father's Day, and I was concerned. Since we're peeling back the curtain, and this isn't a joke, I, I, I usually blow into the studio. Well, I mean, I'm always here. I never leave. Technically, I'm always at work. Yes, you are. So it's not like I can ever be late. I'm just in a different room of the house if for some reason I didn't make it before 7 a.m. Eastern. But usually, I get up here five minutes before airtime. I know everything's good to go. Technological, everything's fine. We rarely, if ever, have a problem. Of course, we will tomorrow now. And I put my makeup on. But when I cross the plane of the camera, I see the return monitor and yeah. you're there yeah right and you got your big old big old brush out and you're yeah you know getting the six getting head ready. ready to go yeah yeah and i today i came up and there's no chris oh you got a little nervous and it's like four minutes till seven and i'm thinking well given the fact and i can find the text messages i don't want to read them word for word given the fact that you were harassing me at five o'clock yesterday <laughs> for already lagging behind you when it came to the ingestion of intoxicating substances right. i was concerned that that you were passed out somewhere on the sims property 
and you weren't showing up today. I was concerned it was going to be just me for two hours. No, no, I was here. So so I was in the seat, too, but the camera, and I don't know what went on in the studio yesterday, was pointed in a different direction. So it wasn't pointed at the seat. I, I think uh, even our, our director, Kristen, didn't know I was here either. But, I mean, full, yeah, full transparency. It's Sunday, Father's Day. Now, Sunday, I usually don't ever have a drink or pour a drink or do anything like that. But it's Father's Day. The U.S. Open was on. Yeah, I decided uh, ex- decided to enjoy myself and indulge myself a little bit. So that meant, yeah, at some point I'm going to text you a few crazy text messages and see where you're at in life. So well, I was a little disappointed, but it sounds like you caught up a little as the day went on. I, I did, but here's the thing. I- I'm very responsible, especially on the nights when I know I have to get up. Yeah. And be right. semi-coherent. Yeah. I know that the bar is generally low, but the other side of that is it's hard enough for me to make sense without being hungover, without being still drunk, as the case may be. So moderation Yes. on everything. I was careful with the food. We had some great food last night. I was very careful with that. Careful with the imbibing. Relaxing night. Family here. People stayed later than usual, which had which was great, which was great. Usually it's just a moment like between 9 and 9.30, everybody clears out. Right. Everybody stayed later last night. We had a good time, and uh, I got my five hours of sleep. Yeah, you don't look at, tired. Which is so now standard. I, I, get, I get five hours at night and an hour in the afternoon, and, and I hope that that, that, ex, that counts because I see all these articles about the health benefits of getting enough sleep and the detriments of not getting enough sleep. Right. It's like, well, I get five hours a night, but does that extra hour in the afternoon count? I, I hope think it, it does. does. I hope I'm at six, not five. It definitely does, old timer. You just keep taking that nap. It's good for you. Just keep doing it. You'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, and it, you know what? Even on the days when I'm not tired and I feel fine, at You're two used o'clock, the shades, go, the shades go down. Yeah. No matter how awake and alert I am, two o'clock, out for an hour every day, no matter what's going on. I'm done at two o'clock. Anyway, we're we're spinning the wheels. It's all right, you're a machine though. That's how you football. are. Let me just say this. Yeah. Let me say this. Programming note, and I've gotten questions about this as well. When does the hiatus start this year? And I can't tell whether people are anxious for it <laughs> or whether they they don't yeah. want it to happen. It's a mixed bag. Right. What in the hell are you guys going to get the hell off the air for uh, a few weeks? This is the last week. Until we meet again in training camp, and because of the Olympics, we'll be back a little bit later than usual. And again, some of you may be happy about that. Some of you may be chagrined by that. Regardless, we're off after this week until after the Olympics, which wrap up in early August. So we get a little bit more of a break than usual, which I don't know. Am I complaining about it? I don't know. We'll see how I feel. Usually what happens is the moment we start our break, I miss the show. Like one weekend without the show, like every weekend without the show, and I'm ready to do it again. I guarantee you next Monday I'll be wide awake at 6 a.m. ready to go. Uh, I will I will not be. I will be ready to check out for a little while. But like towards the end of the break, definitely like starting to get antsy where you're like, okay, let's maybe get on a schedule, get back to life here, you know, have a purpose in life, all that type of stuff. But I'm ready to check out, so – you know, you, you fine. You enjoy your weekend next weekend. Don't look for me on Monday to come in well, and do the do a do a show or anything. What? <laughs> and and it just occurred to me, I will be up at six o'clock next Monday morning because next Monday is my annual physical. See, that's how this works. When you do this show every day, every day, every day for 10, 11 months, all the crap that you otherwise would would fill into your normal life that's your reward in your downtime i've got physical next monday and then three days later i got a wisdom tooth that's coming out did i tell you about that no but i got one two i got one wisdom tooth just one i got three i don't know where the fourth one is fourth one was never there i got three wisdom teeth one came in 30 years ago perfectly fine other one came in 20 years ago a little askew, but I it's there and I can floss it and brush it and take care of it, so it's fine. Uh. Last summer, 
The, this other one, the last one. Is this normal for them to come in brain. this late? Like, is it normal? I don't. What are you, a I don't vampire? Know. You're still growing teeth? I don't you? know. You're 65 or 56, whatever the hell you are. Oh, come on. Yeah, <laughs> get, yeah give me give me nine more years, please. <laughs> but but I got this damn tooth. It's like, it's, it's and it hurts. And I have, it's been infected. And, and I, now I got a water pick and I got all this stuff to take care of it. And I went to the oral surgeon. I was hoping to talk him out because I really don't want to do it. I don't want to go under and have him in my mouth, like ripping the gums open and pulling a tooth. I really don't want to do it. I'm really dreading it. Yeah. But he looked at it and he's like, he, he looked at it. He's like, yeah, that's got to go. He's like, I know you don't want to do it, but that's got to go. You can keep the other two. This uh, one's got to go. Yeah. So well, that's that's next Thursday. Yeah. Great. Great that. start to your vacation. Way to go. I mean, that's that's smart. Sounds fun. Yeah, doctor's visit Monday, pull your tooth Thursday. I mean, yeah, so it's days off, but it's really not a day off. It's torture. Do you have uh, Do you have your wisdom teeth? I do. I think I have one left, but I had one pulled out um, a few years ago that yeah, it got chi- chipped real bad. But I'm not a vampire. I, I don't know if I'm going to continue to grow them as I get older. That, that's a new one to me. So we'll see where this goes. Now, I don't know whether is that real. Can we put that? Maybe we should put that on a Twitter question. Is it normal to start keep growing teeth when you're 55? Is that normal? You don't grow them. No, no, they're there. <laughs> they pop they're, out. They're, they're okay. in your head. I, I get it. They just make their way out. Right. right. I, I remember getting my first X-ray. You know when they do the X-ray of the yeah. whole picture, like when I was 18, and I saw there were three extra teeth that were buried, and there was a spot. Where is it? Down here where there just isn't one. Uh, So they've always been there. They just took their sweet time emerging. Right. 30 years ago for one, 20 years ago for the other, and then last year that's when Sparky decides. I don't know anybody that's had that. So that's that's, it's interesting, actually. It explains a lot about you, maybe. Maybe there's some other things. Why? Maybe there's some other things stuck in your brain and your skull that haven't come out yet. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I I haven't heard of that one. That's, That's a new one for me. No, uh, it's a, it's a new one for me because I really haven't paid attention to others' experiences. Although three years ago, my son had all four of his taken out, and it was it was nothing. And and the younger you do it, the easier it is. That's the other thing I've learned thanks to Google. The older you are, the more the teeth get like locked connected in there, to bone and yeah, stuff, and right. it's a little more difficult. Oh, so, I, so it sounds like you'll be in a lot of pain that next week and stuff. Maybe we miserable. can cancel hiatus. Yes, uh, and and uh, more miserable than usual, but I'll have reason to be miserable. All right, I filibustered through the first 10 minutes because, frankly, I didn't take a close look at the outline last night because it was Father's Day. I really don't want to talk about the Bears again. I'm looking, I'm dreading talking about the Bears. We, we talk about the Bears all the time, but I guess we're talking about the Bears. This is about one bears. of the rare occasions where I've objected strenuously, stre- uh, strenuously objected to the, to the rundown and uh, – I guess I should have noticed last night. And I'm said shocked about it. Last I mean, night, pull back the curtain. Usually when you object strenuously, it means it's going to be a 10 minute tech session on you totally just changing the show and telling Pete Demolitolitis and Matt to shove it and come up with something new. <laughs> I guess I just kind of glossed over it because last night's big debate was which way do we go with the draft? And I, and like I, I put my phone down for a minute. And I pick it up and there's like 10 more messages on yeah. the text chain yeah. about the draft. It's like, come on, guys, let's just figure this out. And I think that caused the primary outline to get buried by the new texts. And I hadn't noticed that we're talking about the Bears again today. I mean, it's OK, though. Pete didn't produce the show on Friday when we talked about the Bears for 20 minutes. Oh, wait, Pete did produce the show on Friday when we talked about the Bears for 20 minutes. So maybe maybe this is just. Maybe this is just maybe this is just Pete's outline. Oh, now Pete's saying we got to get we got to get your take on it. This is the this is a three day weekend topic. Where's the hammock? Where's the hammock? Time for the hammock and the pina colada and uh, things that oh, happened. I while wish. Chris don't tease me like weekend. that, please. Right, don't. Don't. Let's get to it. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, Pete. Sorry, I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to have some fun as we embark on our last week and as I count the minutes until I have a tooth violently ripped out of my skull okay here's matt nagy from last week there it is hello there it is i love the sound of the ocean you know i'm going uh, to the beach in a few weeks too oh Looking good for forward you to that wow nice That's once nice. my wisdom tooth heals hopefully if i don't die during the procedure okay matt nagy on uh on the quarterback depth chart if andy dalton the presumed starter should get injured where does it go from there here's nagy from last week 
I'll give you updates as we go as to how the guys are doing. But as far as the depth chart goes, this is where we're at with Andy as the one, with, with Justin as the two, with Nick as the three. But all three of those guys know that you need to produce, you need to play well, you need to compete, you need to be the best quarterback you can be. And then it's going to be really pretty easy for us to be able to see who that is and how that goes. And then there'll be a process and a plan. We're going to stick to that. It's not going to change tomorrow. That plan is not going to change tomorrow. The plan is not going to change in training camp. The plan is a, is a, is a plan and it's been thought out. And so as we go, um, I'm just taking some time on this question because I think, you know, this could go every day. And I just want you to know that, that that's kind of, as we go here, where I'm at, you know, and so, um, depth chart wise, Jeff, but to go back to your original question hub, if that was the case, yes, then, um, uh, Justin would be our starter. You know, here's what's amazing to me. We'll work our way up the depth chart from the bottom. Nick Foles, the Super Bowl 52 MVP starter in Jacksonville, two years later, week one, right. Broke a collarbone while throwing a touchdown pass. Yeah. Now, it's not it's like it spontaneously throw, broke. Yeah. He was slammed down to the ground. Right. And it never worked out in Jacksonville for him. It was Gardner Minshew after that. And then he ends up in Chicago last year. And at one point fairly early in the season, when the Bears were 3-0, and I think, that was when against Atlanta, Mitchell Trubisky got benched and Nick Foles came in and he had the job until he injured his rear end on a Monday night against the Vikings, I believe. And then he was just kind of gone after that. He's got a $4 million fully guaranteed salary this year. He's got a million dollars of his $4 million next year that's guaranteed. I think the Bears would love to trade him. I mean, he is mired at the bottom of the depth chart. It's, it's stunning to think that the guy who was the Super Bowl 52 MVP is just a forgotten man in Chicago. Where do you think he's going to end up? There, there's chatter about the Jets, and they don't have a veteran behind Zach right. Wilson. There's been talk maybe he ends up back in Philadelphia. I don't know that that's good for anybody at this point, but where do you think he ends up? Well, I think it makes sense. To look at a team like like the Jets would make a lot of sense for me. Like it, Nick Foles starting has gone by the wayside. I mean, that's the one thing. I think that's why the Bears have made it pretty plain that, hey, he's number three. We know what he is. We know what he's done here. He gives no, the fans no excitement. You know, I don't think there's any chatter about him in the locker room like, oh, Nick Foles, so he doesn't bring any juice to the football team. He kind of is what he is at this point, which is a really awesome backup quarterback. But I think, like, you know, I think it is that type of scenario with Nick Foles where, yeah, maybe a younger quarterback or, again, a team that might be in the Super Bowl window and feel like, hey, again, we don't want to lose a quarterback and then have a backup that's not worthy and we just totally fall apart. So that's, to me, the teams that are going to be interested in, you know, as far as which ones specifically those are, you know, you look at the, the list right here right now. I mean, uh, I, I guess, you know, out of the playoff teams, there's not ones that jump out to me a whole lot, Mike. There really isn't. You know, the Tennessee Titans, maybe that'd be a conversation you'd think of. That'd be the type of scenario, again, that I'm talking about. Good team. Tannehill goes down. You don't want the team to fall apart. But something along that line, and Mike, I'm with you. I would think that they're they're hoping that maybe there's an injury or something that goes down in training camp to where they could be the backup. Pete's saying Bucks, but I think they're all about stop, Blake Gabbert. Stop with the Bucks. Yeah. The only stop about stop, the only good thing about Nick Foles playing for the Buccaneers would be that maybe Tom Brady would finally shake his hand. <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. that's the only good thing right. that would come of that. It's not happening. So, um, I. I remember now, I had a flashback to two weeks ago after Julio Jones was traded to the Titans, and indeed it only was two weeks ago, it feels a lot longer than that, that we said they're going to need a better backup yeah, quarterback. Yeah, that was what we brought now up. Now that you have A.J. Right. Brown and Julio Jones. If, if Ryan Tannehill gets injured and he has a history of being injured, and I'm not trying directly or indirectly to put the jinx on Ryan Tannehill by pointing out the obvious that quarterbacks sometimes get injured – you need to have a better number two, and maybe that's a spot for Nick Foles if they can make it work from a salary cap standpoint. It may be, it may be that the Bears have to eat some of the salary to facilitate the trade. Nobody's going to want to pay him $4 million to be a backup, or maybe they will. I don't know. They may just have to do a conditional seventh-round pick if they trade him. The other spot's Indianapolis, which has – Entertainment value for different uh, well, reasons. Well, that's why reunite I, with Frank, it makes right? sense. And right. be behind Carson Wentz. <laughs> right. 
But that's why you can't say it. As I long mean, as he's clearly the backup. No. As long as he's clearly the backup, no. it's fine. There's no way. There's no it's way, Chris. Fine. I don't think so. I just don't think Chris Ballard or Frank Reich will buy into that. They're not going to want to bring up, you know, ghosts of Christmas past or Super Bowl past or whatever like that. And but have, it was a good outcome. It was a good it outcome. It was good. But not necessarily for Carson Wentz. I mean, it, it put a lot of pressure on his career. And he's not going to want that guy lurking over his shoulder once again, right? I mean, that'll become a, a running joke. Gee, meme, yeah, hey, Carson, everything. I'll get you a Super Bowl ring. Well, yeah. Right, that's Screw what I mean. Me that's for getting you right. a Super Bowl ring. Well, that's as soon as he has a bad game, that's what people are going to bring up. Or, hey, don't worry, the guy, that he'll save you at some point, something like that. I just don't think it's good for the chemistry of the team. So that's why it's like an interesting conversation with this Foles thing. Because when you look at the, the teams that went to the playoffs last year, for the most part, they're pretty much set up on their backup quarterback situation. You know, you look at Washington, they're good, you know, with Heineke and Fitzpatrick, even though you go, well, Foles in the mix there. But there's no glaring one other than Tennessee and the Colts. And, again, we, we just discussed the Colts to where I don't think that makes sense for, for them or Wentz. Um, so after and, that – The it, Colts really like they, – they really – let me say this about yeah. the Colts. They really like where Jacob Eason That would be is another thing. Right now. Right. How he's developing. So you want him to develop into your backup. You don't wedge Nick Foles exactly. in front of him. Also on the roster, they have Jalen Morton and Sam Ellinger. And if memory serves, and there's a chance it doesn't, I think Sam Ellinger is Guy's a smart kid. kid. Who, he played at Texas. Yeah. And smart kid. He wanted to emulate – he wanted to emulate you. Yeah, right. Which causes me to question his judgment seriously and make me wonder whether he's going to be on the 53-man roster or even on the practice squad, however big or small it may be. But uh, wasn't that him? It I'm was. I'm Chris Sims. It was. Yep. I'm Chris yep. Sims. That was, yes. It, it was. It was, uh, it was him. It was cool. Definitely one of those things they show every now and then when they're playing Oklahoma. But, yeah, Ellinger there. You know, I don't know if he'll make the 53-man roster. He's a really good football player. He's an athlete. We'll see. But I think, you know, your point about Jacob Eason is another real thing. If there's hopes for this guy and he is developing and they see talent, you know, again, they have to decide on, you know, how re ready he is. But either way, Nick Foles is not the answer, no matter what. I don't think you can play that card. So, you know, after that, it goes into the maybe like we're talking about the young guys. Do any of them need a backup, some veteran leadership? The Tennessee Titans, like we talked about, they're the ones that jump out to me. You know, a lot of these teams, you really look at them, you go, oh, their quarterback room's pretty set up and in a pretty good spot. One team that I will throw out there, maybe I'm wrong off the top of my brain here because I wasn't expecting to go down here. The Dallas Cowboys got nothing, right? I mean, they got nothing behind. You know, I mean, we know who they got, uh, uh, you know, some of the guys that played last year. But, again, they're a team, man, if they were in the thick of things and everything like that, I'd be scared to go into the year with that backup quarterback situation. Maybe they'd be a team that uh, would look at Nick Foles at some point. Yeah, I mean, they specifically targeted Andy Dalton last year to have a veteran presence behind Dak Prescott, and they needed it. Yeah. So uh, that that's a possibility as well. So whatever happens with Nick Foles, yeah. we know in Chicago – the top two options will be Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, in that order, at least for now. And look, Matt Nagy, I believe, continues to be committed to the Kansas City model from 2017, even though the circumstances are dramatically different. Yeah. The equity that the starting quarterback has is dramatically reduced. Andy Dalton has no history with the Bears at all, but... Nagy likes the idea, I believe, I've heard this, and this best explains his public comments, he likes the idea of giving Justin Fields time to learn from the number two position like Patrick Mahomes did in 2017. Now, is it a full season? Or, in Mahomes' case, it was up until a meaningless Week 17 game. But, and we've talked before about looking at the schedule, maybe Week 10 is the sweet spot where Fields takes over, but Nagy seems bound to determine, Chris, to carry Andy Dalton as the starter, not just into training camp, but through training camp, through the preseason, into week one of the regular season, and maybe beyond. And, and, and that he, I mean, unless a, a big curveball is coming or Justin Fields is so dramatically better than Andy Dalton in camp that, that Nagy can't justify holding Fields down, it's going to be Dalton. Yeah. No, it's going to be Dalton. To me, it's just a question of whether, like, does Fields impress enough? and have a grasp enough of the offense to maybe infiltrate the lineup 
or the starting 11 in certain spots early on in the season. To me, that's where it is. So, see, where it's different a little bit than the Kansas City model like you're bringing up is, you know, of course, in Kansas City, we had a team that was in the playoffs and a quarterback that was playing at a pretty high level, especially when it came to stats and quarterback rating and things like that. So I think – and then it was Patrick Mahomes who nobody knew about really at the time, and he came from Texas Tech. So there wasn't the public push and pressure. It was like, well, we got this gunslinger from Texas Tech that Andy Reid likes. You know, nobody knew what he was about to be. Um, uh, flip coin or flip side to that is it's a little different here. We know what Andy Dalton is. He's not playing to the level that Alex Smith was playing when they drafted Patrick Mahomes. You know, the team itself, I don't think the Bears are at the level the Chiefs were. And many more people, there's more pressure behind the Justin Fields situation. Yes, there's the trade-up, but like we've talked about, he's been, you know, the big guy on campus on the number two school in the country, you know, for the last two years in a row. So everybody's seen him, and hey, this guy's a star, and when he's on the field, they win. And I think that adds pressure to the situation for the Bears, and I think it's going to lead to more of a clamoring from the fan base and everything like that. And even within the locker room, when Justin Fields shows a little talent, those guys, again, they're going to go, wait, we've seen Andy Dalton. We know what he is. That's cool. That's great. But, man, Fields, he's got something. So I, I do think training camp can maybe dictate in preseason if he has that package of plays we've talked about a little bit, Mike, maybe early in the year to at least get him in, get him playing, get him some experience, and get him going that way. And, and the Chiefs at least had a history of pretty good quarterbacks dating back to Len Dawson, and they had Joe Montana. Now, I'll, you know, apologies to Todd Blackledge, but they, they they have had guys that they can look to and sure, say, Trent Green, had some guys yeah. who can get it done. The the Bears haven't. Yeah, the Bears ha- the Bears are still desperate for their next Sid Luckman. So I think that's part of it too. It, it all did. goes into the blender, and it makes it different, and it does create an anticipation that Fields is going to be the guy. And again, we can't get past the fact that if the locker room is like, what the hell's wrong with Nagy? Why isn't he going with Fields? I think that moves the needle that way Agreed. as well. It's like Russell Wilson in 2012. People say it was brave for Pete Carroll to go with Wilson over Matt Flynn after they gave Matt Flynn all that money. No, the brave thing would have been to go with Flynn because everyone knew that Wilson was the guy. It was the easy decision for Carroll to make. Here's Fields talking about his own personal timeline. And listen carefully to what he says about help that he's gotten from Andy Dalton. My job is strictly to get better, uh, be the best quarterback I can be, and, uh, you know, help my team win. So that's that's what I'm going to do, whether it's starting, whether it's, you know, sitting. Um, I'm going to do whatever. Uh, is but That's that's going to help us win. So, yeah. If I've learned a lot of things. I, I couldn't even name off a, a few things. But, I mean, he's, he's talked to me a lot. Uh, I actually went to dinner with him and his wife. So we talked a lot there and um, kind of just his, his background and stuff like that, their story. But... I mean, Andy and Nick, they've, they've been awesome. I mean, probably bigger than you guys even, even though. Um, just, just yeah, I mean, Andy's completely taken me under his wing. Uh, any question that I have for him, uh, he's, he's, he's going to answer. And then even when I'm throwing, uh, I think there was one day out uh, after OTAs, I was throwing extra after packs, and he stayed out there specifically just to, you know, uh, see maybe what I was doing wrong and he was just trying to help, help me out. So, I mean, he's, he's been a huge help for sure. Um. Chris, I got to give you credit. Maybe this is the influence that I've had on you in a negative way, but uh, you you spotted what was embedded in that last part. The idea that Andy Dalton was spotting things that Justin Fields was doing wrong. Um, I don't know that that's helped, Justin. (laughs) Maybe a little passive-aggressive, hey, kid, you got a lot to learn. And, hey, kid, maybe you got some stuff in your throwing motion that's a little funky. Like, you know, l- just look for a picture of Justin Fields throwing the ball. That elbow is aiming sky high, yeah. and that's something you've had concerns about for a while. Right. Yeah, it, it definitely is. You know, I mean, hey, one, first off, you know, Justin Fields, he's talented. I want to make this clear, Mike, just because I think people think I'm a hater on him, and I'm not. I'm rooting for him. You can see there, handles himself the right way. Got a good way about him. There's no doubt. It's cool that Andy Dalton's doing that. 
It really is. Andy Dalton showing like his maturity and he's comfortable where he is in life and the NFL and everything like that. That he'll that he's willing to take a guy like that underneath, you know, underneath his wing like that to a degree. But yeah, I mean, again, that does worry me. And you're right. Like any picture you bring up with Justin Fields and I have people all the time try to send me pictures of other quarterbacks and go, oh, look, his elbows up. And I go, yeah, but they got to that position in a different way. And that's where it's different. It's not start from the elbow and do those things. But nonetheless, it caught my attention. Yeah, because uh, there, there has to be that concern or at least that work going on behind the scenes with Justin Fields to clean that up. Well, listen, I'm not like a know-it-all, but I mean, anybody you talk to in football had a little concern about Justin Fields' motion and his mechanics and throwing. So that has to be worked on. Andy Dalton is pretty consistent, not going to wow you with everything he does throwing the football. But he does have pretty good mechanics, never been like totally inaccurate, has control of the football. I'm sure he can point him in the right direction and give him a few things to think about. It's just going to be, can they beat these things out of him, these bad habits? And I doubt by the, they can do that by the t- start of like this season. But if he continues to work on it, maybe by year two, it can be gone by the wayside and he can kind of readjust his motion altogether. I, and I still continue to wonder whether or not changes can be made yeah uh to something that a guy has been doing his whole life I remember the Tim Tebow that was the first time in the 20 years and it was about 10 years ago that I've been doing this for a living that it crystallized you got a guy who's obsessed with changing his throwing motion because his prior motion and and it was different because his took too long for the ball to get out fields can still whip it yes he can just that elbow as you've said it messes up accuracy because you're working through it and it's not smooth it's not efficient and he, but even though he does get through it fast, Tebow had that long catapult, you know, hold the ball down near the ground, yeah. and, and it just gives the defensive backs extra time to Definitely. see what's coming. And, and the, the narrative prior to the 2010 draft was he's changing his motion, he's changing his motion, he's changing his motion, and everything he did, it was a different motion, and then he went out and played, and it was the old motion. You can't, you can't forget what you've always done right. once the switch is on and you're in the middle of it, and you're just going on instinct. Your instinct hasn't changed. You can say, I'm doing it this way, I'm doing it this way, over and over again. You go out in a game, and you're going to do it the way you've always done it. It is really – I mean, you're right, I, I, and, and, and I'm not arguing against you. You know, most people can't adjust the way they throw or do those things. Natural ones can. People who are naturally gifted throwers, they can tweak and change the motion – over time, Justin Fields, I do think, has enough, enough natural aspect to to break some of these habits. But it's one of those things, Mike, like you talked, like you're talking about here, just to hammer home that point. You know, this is something. Hey, this is what the Sims family does. We worked with a lot of quarterbacks, college, NFL, high school, whatever. And when a guy really has a like a technical flaw, you know, usually my father is going to say something like, "Hey, when the season's over." you need to kind of come see us like within the first two weeks. It can't be like we're going to start diving in this to May. We got to start like in January and we're going to have to like get the new mechanics and techniques down and we're going to have to get 10 to 15,000 reps doing it because that's the only way you're going to beat it into your brain to make it second nature to where it doesn't go revert back to the old motion to like you're talking about, Mike, because that's what does happen. And that's where, you know, it's going to be critical. So I don't know how much he can change right now. He can tweak and stay on some things. But, you know, hopefully off the, after the offseason, he can work on it even more and, and continue to grow and, and kind of clean up some of these issues we talk about. We're going to shift gears now to the Green Bay Packers. Um, and, and, look, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to show up. And I think Aaron Rodgers has told Matt LaFleur he's going to show up. And I'm going to explain why to you here in a second. But you know, we get accused all the time of, of having clickbait. And look, first of all, for those of you who don't understand how the business works of internet traffic, people have to click on something in order to advance the interests of the business. And every headline is bait. I think the pejorative sense of clickbait is when someone gives you a headline and the story doesn't back it up. And we've seen ads like that all the time. Very, and it's obvious in the, that it is bait, that, they're, that they're, they're, they're deliberately misstating 
in the headline what you're going to get when you click on it. And we try to never do that. And I always try to be on the lookout for it. I'm not going to name names here, but I was seeing headlines over the weekend that Matt LaFleur has told Jordan Love to prepare as if he's the starter. Okay? Yeah, that's wrong. Yes, that's that's true. But the broader context is this, and here's what he said to reporters last week. It's the same message it's been all the time. You're only one play away, so you always have to prepare like you're the starter. Yes, you're the backup. Prepare like you're the starter. Not prepare like you're the starter because Aaron's not coming. Prepare like you're the starter because you're the number two. And and frankly, Chris, and here's here's why I bring this up. They asked LaFleur, and it's kind of a naive question, like why do you have so many quarterbacks if Jordan Love got all the reps with the first team? Well, you do individual drills. You got a bunch of guys you're throwing passes to. You need arms there to throw. So they got four quarterbacks at OTAs are had. It's over now. And they got Aaron Rodgers. They got five on the roster. And at one point, here's what LaFleur said. Here it is. As we get closer to training camp and, you know, things could become a little bit more clear for us, you know, we potentially could make an adjustment there as it relates to the other quarterbacks. That was the moment I thought he knows he knows Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. Aaron Rodgers, how can you not let your head coach know what you're planning to do? Right. Your coach has reason to know. I think Rodgers will let him know he's going to be there, and I think LaFleur is already thinking which of these guys, Blake Bortles, Jake Dolagala, which of these guys are going to be told, hit the road, Jack, because daddy's coming home, and LaFleur knows it. That's That's what I believe. That's right. You know who your daddy is. It's Aaron Rodgers. I like that. But, no, you're right. I mean, they they signed quarterbacks because of what you're talking about. You know, one arms, two, you know, more options to figure out if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back, what gives us our best, you know, three quarterbacks in a room, whatever. They want to give themselves that availability that way. But I'm with you, Mike, in the fact that, first off, like we've been saying from the get-go, there is no issue between Aaron Rodgers and the coaches. So the coaches, I would believe, and Matt LaFleur and Rodgers, from anybody you talk to, seem like they have a really good relationship. It's very open. I would agree with you that he's a, he's let LaFleur know that, like, yeah, I'm going to be there, blah, blah, blah. He probably even told them, I'm going to continue to give the front office and stuff hard time. He probably has. LaFleur probably knows that. Who knows? If the relationship's good enough, he does. You know, and LaFleur, he, he understands. He's probably like, yeah, I mean, I get it. Go ahead. Give him a hard time. I don't know. It's not between me and you or, you know, he's not getting in the middle of it. But uh, I, I would think that the coaches have an inkling, you know, about what Rodgers is doing, when he's going to show up, whatever. And, and yes, whether it's LaFleur and Nate Hackett or – whether he's talked to Nate Hackett, somebody knows there, and Rodgers is, is keeping in contact. And, yeah, I mean, things are going to clear up, as LaFleur says, and the picture will get a little more clear when Rodgers' daddy, a.k.a., walks into camp. And it's one of those things that I think should have been obvious to us all along, and, you know, maybe I should have thought of it sooner, but it was in that moment when I heard LaFleur explaining the reasoning for having the quarterbacks, and he made that comment as we get closer to camp and we get some clarity, he he knows. And yeah, why wouldn't you tell him? I mean, if you're the head coach, he's like, hey, Aaron, look, I don't. That, that's not between you and me. That's between you and them. I just need to know. You're right. Do I need to get Jordan Love ready? Yeah, right. Really ready, not just not just in in the event that you break collarbone again, but but are you going to be? I need to know if you're going to be here. And I won't tell anybody. Your secret's safe with me. I just need to know. And I feel like in that moment, there was an unintended glimpse that that he's not freaked out about it. Because I'd be, wouldn't you be freaked out about it if you're the head coach of a team that's gone 13 and three for two straight years, and you're six weeks away from training camp, and you're embarking on the only period of time during the year where life is sane and manageable. You're going to spend every minute wondering. Is my franchise quarterback, the reigning league MVP, going to be there or not? I think the least Aaron Rodgers could do is let his head coach know. And uh, I suspect I'd be stunned if he hasn't. I, I would too. I, I, you know, listen, I, I think LaFleur's been freaked out since the draft two years ago, going, What the hell? What am I got involved in? What am I in the middle of here? And how do I handle this situation? So. You know, I think he understands the business aspect of it, what's going on, how it hurt Rodgers, everything like that. And I'm, I'm with you. I would think there's some line of communication that he at least feels pretty comfortable with and knows where this is going at the end of the day. And maybe he knows something from the organizational standpoint, too, that maybe they're going to make some effort finally to 
pay him more money. I don't see that happening, but I'm uh, just throwing that out there. But either way, I think he knows something we don't. That's for sure. I don't think the organization is going to do anything. anything. I think no, at the top not. of the organization, he doesn't want him to come back. I think Mark Murphy doesn't want him to come back, and I think he's got no other alternative. What's he going to do? He's going to write a check for $11.5 million? No, no way. Is he going to give up the $6.8 million roster bonus he earned earlier this year that gets paid out over the course of the season? He's got a $14.7 million salary on top. That's a lot of money to give up, and you're giving up one more shot at your personal legacy. Yeah, maybe that's right. That's left. the biggest thing. You're going to give up 25% of it to make a point to Mark Murphy and Brian right. Gutekunst? I don't think so. Uh, well, one last point on this. I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, but Aaron Rodgers has paid for his yeah, Green Bay Country that. Club membership through the end of the year. And look, how much, how much can it be? That, that's my reaction. It would be great to say, oh, that shows he's coming back. Or maybe he's just trolling Mark Murphy by doing it. How much can it be? This is, you know, like when I remember when, when I was a kid, my dad would sit on the couch and he always wore slacks and the pockets of those slacks were very conducive to coins rolling out. So he'd sit in the couch and coins would roll out. And from my perspective, hey, baby, it's fair game. It's buried treasure. I mean, the, the, whatever it costs for Aaron Rodgers to extend his membership at the Green Bay Country Club through the end of the season is less to him than whatever quarters and dimes rolled out of dad's pockets into the couch. It's nothing. It's peanuts. It's far less meaningful than the ten grand that, it, that Randy Moss had to pay for rubbing his butt yeah. against the goalpost. No, so is. I don't think it means a damn thing. No, it means nothing. Rodgers is smart enough, too, to maybe know to like renew that. To, to make public perception kind of just quiet down about the whole issue. Who knows? He might not even know in general. I mean, he might I have – people like I Aaron Rodgers might have an assistant. there nothing intentional about it. Right. Exactly. You don't think so. He has an assistant no. where they got something that said, hey, you got to pay this to roll over your membership and keep going, and they just paid it. Like, you're right. Like, you don't even yeah. think about it. Like, what? Rodgers needs a new Coca-Cola? Oh, he needs a new membership. Great. Well, that's, it's the same thing to them. It means nothing. So, I'm with you. You're right. I'm not reading too deep into that at all. He, he probably would get upset if his time in Hawaii or wherever it is was interrupted even for five seconds when they ask him, do you want us to pay out whatever the dues are, whatever the fees are? I mean, what can they be? I'm, I'm in no country clubs, uh, but I don't Neither think it's all that expensive grand scheme of things, especially if you're making 20, what, 35 million a year. I have a feeling it's not that much in yeah. comparison to what your your income is. Uh, and I, I wouldn't think it is for his income, especially. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I don't think it's anything that's yeah, affecting him either way. I don't belong to a country club either. I'm not a golfer that way. So I wouldn't be able to tell I'm you. I'm surprised you don't. I'm just surprised. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you are, huh? You don't just because it's a status thing, you know, and and you had that very coddled and cushy upbringing in 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 uh, yeah. you live in Greenwich. I'm just surprised. Right. You know, I wonder how many people just are in a country club just so they can say they're in a country club, even if they never go to the country club. I yeah. thought that's what a lot of it was. Yeah, no, not for me. Sorry. This is nitty-gritty tough stuff over here, okay? You know, we I don't mess with that country club stuff over here. I just – you I know, go, I don't mess with it. I, I'll be, I'll be because you're a vampire. I don't know why. No, why? <laughs> no, no. Where, 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 I, where I grew up, where I grew up, they didn't want the Italians in the country clubs. So, oh, uh, sure. Your country club. That's yeah. my attitude. I hear for my you. entire life. Oh, That's I hear that. Hey, break. fine. I'll join in on that. You want to do it together? <laughs> I'll do it too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're right. I, I, yeah. I, you know, I was, I was watching. Uh, what was that? What was I watching? I was watching. Uh, hey, you're Cheers. too Italian Cheers, for this Cheers country club. Peacock. Get out of here. And, and, and Carla, Carla yeah. did that. So I guess it's still an acceptable gesture. Well, I always want to say the words that club, go with that, too. Now that I got money, you ain't getting my dues, baby. <laughs> I'm staying home. I got my own pool. I don't need yours. All right. Uh, let's take a break. Looks like Baker Mayfield is going to have a healthy Odo Beckham Jr. this year. Is that uh -oh. a good thing or not? We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. 
No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Twenty twenty with and without Odo Beckham Jr. in Cleveland. Five games with, eleven games without. You can see the increase in the passing yardage per game for Baker Mayfield. And he generally personally reached a higher level as the season unfolded, and you could argue he would have done that anyway. Regardless, Beckham will be back this year. Here's offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt on Beckham's return and what it means for the offense. Anytime you have a, a great X, you see a lot of coverage roll to to that player. Um, you know that kind of went away when Odell uh, was injured. Uh, you know that that opens it up for for other players to be successful. Um, it's not always great to be double teamed all the time, but sometimes that's going to happen when you're great. So um, I would expect teams to to I don't have to honor um, Odell and, and potentially at times put two guys on. And I'm guessing that you think that that concept of Baker being better without Odell is not true. I think Baker was better as the season went on, whether it had been Odell or not, had been on, you know, still out there. Uh, he started to understand the offense more, understand what we were asking him, got his footwork right. Um, and I think that he, he just, he, he got better regardless of who was on the field. Um, as I said earlier, you're, you're always better with great players. Um, anytime you take a great player off the field, um, you got to find ways to, you know, to generate more offense. So we'll be better with Odell, no doubt. You know, maybe they will, maybe they won't. It's just been odd to me over the past couple of years, Chris. The Browns players, yeah. the coaches, and the media covering the team refuse to acknowledge the very simple fact that when you bring a guy like Beckham into the lineup, a guy who is not bashful about saying, I want the football, and I remember in 2019 – the narrative constantly was, are we getting the ball enough to OBJ? That puts pressure and stress on the quarterback who should be just going through his reads. Open, not open. That's the question. Open, throw it, not open, move to number two. Number two, open, not open, not open, move to number three, and so on. But when you've got a guy who's got a very strong personality and he's got that history of being kind of the center of attention and very emotional. And he believes, in his mind, the more I get the ball, the more likely we are to win. The less I get the ball, the less likely we are to win. I just think that that's an untenable situation for the quarterback who ends up maybe staring him down longer than he should, maybe throwing it to him when he's not covered. Or if you take the guy away early, you short-circuit the entire game plan because then you've got that extra stress. We're not getting the ball to Odell. Yeah, well, listen, I, I don't think they're going to play that way. I mean, as far as like, hey, I expect it to look a lot like your Minnesota Vikings, right? It's run the ball. It's Justin Jefferson. It's Thielen. You know, their guys are going to be interchangeable in the routes. We don't know if Thielen's going deep or across the field. We don't know if Jefferson's going deep or across the field. They do the same things. I think that could be the beauty of the offense altogether. And like, hey, I hear you like, you, you know, at, at base level, you know, it, it, the optics all point to like, man, something's not right there with the situation. But I think like if we look at the broader context and listen, there is reason to be concerned. I hear what you're saying, but like, OK, year one, you know, Odell with the Browns. Hey, the, the Browns were a total. They, they were all over the place. You know, we, we've talked about that. They were dysfunctional. Baker wasn't as good. The offense wasn't as good. The defense was bad. Freddie Kitchens was learning on the fly, all of those things. So I do think Baker felt the pressure a little bit in year one. And year two, 
I don't know if he necessarily felt the pressure. I don't think it was, but it was like, hey, wait, we're learning a new offense. We got to get things figured out and do things that way. We saw moments of special from Odell last year. We did. I mean, listen, they don't win the Dallas Cowboy game if it isn't for Odell Beckham Jr. with reverse touchdown catches and a reverse down the sideline late in the game when the Cowboys are coming back for a 55-yard touchdown pass. He led the team in receiving with Washington in week three. I mean, he had plenty of moments last year where you went, ooh, I think it's coming together. But I think Alex Van Pelt said it the right way. Like, the offense hadn't come together yet. So, yeah, the stats improved. But it looks like it's Odell, but I, 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 I'm I, not going to pin it to that. I'm not. And, and uh, I know it's something to watch for, but, like, if they can get him going – the way that offense was going and really put him together. I mean, watch out. They could be scarier than your Vikings offense and what they can do in explosivity and everything like that. As long as you can get Odell Beckham Jr. to buy That's in, it. Right? And right. if you're if you're winning, and, and he's had and, this fascination with the Patriots for years. Right. Well, in New England, you, you start spouting off you're not getting the ball enough, you're on the bench. You're forgotten. You're gone. That's not part of it. All that matters is winning. And if the Browns are indeed winning, maybe that's where Beckham understands it doesn't matter if I get the ball or not. And maybe now that he's seen the offense work pretty well without it, yes, he'll right. be humbled a little bit. Let, let me, let me, let me yeah. take you back to this quote, though. Yep. This is from Baker Mayfield in November of 2019. I think people have this picture-perfect thing where it was going to be sunshine and rainbows and Odell was going to have a whole lot of one-on-ones. It is Odell Beckham. We're going to have double coverage, and we have to find ways to format things to get him the ball and force-feed him early where we can make an impact before we have the perfect look to have a shot play. See, that's, that's all wrong. You don't have to force-feed it to him. Why do you have to force feed it to him? Now, you can design plays, if you said time and again, there are ways you can design plays to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers without the guy having to run down the field and get open on a pass route. Right. You can do screens. You can do reverses. And they did some of that last year. That was part of the impact he had against the Cowboys. That was a great game. That was his best game in Cleveland. But that's one thing. Get him the ball. But don't force it to him. If they know you're going to throw it to them, they are going to try to take them away, and it is going to short-circuit your entire game plan. So I just I, – I think it's, there's so many great receivers out there where they're just part of the team, and the ball comes their way when it comes their way. And if it does, great. If it doesn't, great. And you never hear a discussion point about it. The fact that it's been a discussion point for the Browns in and of itself tells me that, that there has been dysfunction. Now, will it linger into 2021 – We'll see. But Odo Beckham Jr. just needs to be a piece of the machine. He cannot be the centerpiece of the offense. He cannot be the guy they have to force feed the ball to. And if it's anything other than that, it's potentially not going to work, Chris. That, that's, that's what happened in 2019, and they need to get away from that in 2021. And I think they were in the process of Agreed. it last year. I think that's the big thing, right? Like, you know, I, I think you're, you're laying it out the right way, I think 100%. You know, added to the fact that I'll add is – you know, OBJ, I would think, has been humbled a little bit the last two years to where he might be even more willing to be, you know, accepting of what you're talking about. Like, hey, I just want to be a piece of the puzzle, want to be a part of a winning team and do my part and do things like that. You know, you know, part of the pressure was, yeah, it's OBJ. We expect star play, stats, highlights, everything. Why is that happening in Cleveland? Baker Mayfield's a flamethrower. Why isn't it happening in Cleveland? Well, you know, the first thing, other thing, too, is like, you know, that quote you read, right? That was from 2019. Uh, am I correct there? Did I hear you say that right? Yes, November. Like, I would yep. think, I would think, you know, again, you're not going to hear Baker Mayfield or anything like that come out of Cleveland. That's the old coaching staff's point of view. That's not what this staff is about. They're going to take what's there to be had to like what your point is. You know, yeah, they're going to have plays for Odell Beckham Jr. where he's the first read in a play-action pass, drop back, hey, Odell's the first read. We're kind of designing it for him to get the ball. But it's not like he's the only guy. And we're going to just like, oh, it's only him and that's it and don't look for anybody else, anything like that. Of course they're going to do that to a degree, but they're not going to go out of their way. But here's way. the problem. But yeah. Here's the problem. Yeah. Here's the problem, though. Right. If he's the first read on that play yeah. and Baker Mayfield decides he's not open and goes to number two yeah. and Beckham thinks he was open – sure. 
What does Beckham do about it then? Well, Beckham... Does he come back to the huddle and say, I was open, or does he just say nothing? I, I think we have plenty of evidence already to say. I already know he'll do nothing. You know, uh, I mean, Baker didn't play good in 2019. He missed him a ton. You know, we can go back to last year, and I can even show you some, like the Pittsburgh game. Remember when the Browns got blown out in Pittsburgh kind of early on in the year? I think it was the week before Odell got hurt in Cincinnati. Hey, we, we can all go back and watch some plays in that game and go, whoa, Odell's open a bunch. Either he didn't throw it to him or he missed him wide open. Odell has handled it like a professional. He has. I know we're all – we know it's not like like – perfect and we see that he gets frustrated at times but he's said and done the right things for the most part and I do think we got to give him a little credit for that he has not gone diva mode or like we saw with the Giants or anything like that and uh, I'm hoping between that the injuries and the struggles that's where you see the Browns and OBJ just take off this year and kick some butt and and think about it He, he did nothing to kind of inject himself into the NFL consciousness remember the stuff yeah. from from uh, oh, several years back, he's in Europe and he's dancing on top of a car, and he was just like international superstar. Yeah. We haven't seen any of that no. from OBJ in recent years, and and you know he has to have been humbled. All those years he played, he had one playoff game and they lost it. Yeah, it was the boat trip game. Right. He gets injured week six, week five. The Browns go to the postseason, beat the Steelers. Yeah and give the Chiefs everything they can handle without him, that in and of itself is humbling. When you spend your whole career and you get to the playoffs one time and your team's 0-1 in the playoffs with you, and your team's 1-0 and almost 2-0 in the playoffs without you, that in and of itself is humbling. Sure, 100%, especially for a guy like him where, you know, again, he just he believes you get me the ball, we win. You don't get me the ball, we're in danger of losing. And, I mean, in a lot of ways, he was correct about that for a long time. You know, with the Giants, that was correct. Get Odell the ball, Giants are going to win. Don't get him the ball, promise you the Giants will lose. But where he has to adjust, and I think he is, is it's different here because he's got a real team around him. You know, the Giants were not good when he was there. You know, the Cleveland Browns have everything. Like we talked about last week, we went through position by position, and we came away going like, oh, it's kind of – High, high up in the hierarchy in the NFL. If we're going to rank offensive line, defensive line, receivers, all those type of things. So uh, that that's also probably an adjustment to him to a degree. But I, I think that him and, and Baker will come together this year. I'm going to be shocked if they don't finally strike it up and start making some special plays happen. One last point. Yeah. It should not be about Beckham and Mayfield coming together. Mayfield is in charge now. Sure. Mayfield is the captain of the ship. So what Mayfield needs to be ready to do, if Beckham gives him any issue, any complaint, any, hey, man, I was open. Why didn't you throw it to me? I'm reminded of the old story when Chris Carter tried to berate Warren Moon in Minnesota, 94-ish. And Moon said to him one time, if you ever do that again, I will never throw you the ball. And that was that. Yeah. That's the end of it. That, and Mayfield now, I, I remember when they traded for Beckham, I thought, is Cleveland big enough for Beckham and Mayfield? Right. Because Mayfield was the star. He was the new LeBron in 2018. Now you got OBJ. Who's really the star here? Mayfield's taken over. He has. And I think it's on him. It's on him to make sure that Beckham doesn't disrupt the offense by saying, hey, I was open. Um, you know, he just Mayfield just needs to say, no, you aren't you sure. know, or you need to be more open or whatever the case may be, or just shut up. We're trying to win a game here, whatever it may be. It's on Mayfield this year to take that leadership. I think, I think he will. I think we saw that last year. I think he's Mayfield. I even, I think he has handled himself the right way as well. I mean, yeah, there's been mis you know, misconnections or, or, you know, times where they should have connected on the football field. They haven't. They feel the pressure of it. You know, both of them have handled things pretty well. But I, I do agree with you. Baker's in a different place now to where he should feel comfortable. You know, there might have been a little bit of an awe, starstruck, wait, I got to get this guy the ball. I hope he likes me. That's natural for a quarterback to go through that. But now, you know, you should be in a comfortable place with him personally and in the offense to where he doesn't think about who's at receiver in any spot 
I'm dropping back and we're going to work the offense and hey, you're one-on-one, then I'll maybe play that matchup and figure it out from there. But uh, that's why Cleveland's exciting because that offense became pretty damn special at the end of the year. And now we got a guy coming back that we know has the type of talent to be one of the five best receivers in football and just want to see if it all can come together as part of this great Cleveland experiment we're talking about. Let's take a break. When we return, the lawyers handling the Deshaun Watson litigation each have had something to say in recent days. We'll tell you what they said. We'll try to figure out what it all means when PFT Live continues right after this. Okay, so Deshaun Watson's case had a lot of back and forth publicly from the lawyers involved, and that was uh, early on. Then everything got quiet, and it got quiet because they were talking about a potential settlement. Then the potential settlement fell apart on the issue of whether and to what extent the settlement amounts and other facts would be regarded as confidential. There was a dust-up then, and then it got quiet again. And it's been very quiet up until the past few days, which makes me think that There's still a chance the dam will break. There's still a chance that one side or the other is going to bend on the issue of confidentiality or they can find a compromise on the issue of confidentiality. Out of the blue last week, Tony Busby, who represents the 22 women who have sued Deshaun Watson for misconduct during massage therapy sessions, Busby came out and said there isn't a settlement and there isn't going to be one anytime soon. Now, I my read on it, based on the time I spent practicing law and my knowledge and understanding and following of this case and and the unique personality that is Tony Busby, I think he's feeling some heat from his clients to get these wrapped up because they don't want to have to give depositions. They don't want this to hang around anymore. If my hunch is true that they have a general idea of what the settlement amounts will be and it got hung up on whether or not it was going to be confidential – You've got people who are thinking, what's the holdup? Yes. Why can't we get this done? This right. is just a paperwork I agreed thing. on the money. Why can't right. we get this done? Yeah. yeah. Right. If, we have a, if we have a rough understanding on the money, why is my money being held right. up? I'm ready to move on from this. The justice that I'm seeking through the civil justice system is the payment of money, and I'm satisfied with this. This gives me the justice that I think I deserve. Why isn't it done? And, and I feel like that statement from Busby – just an effort to rattle the cage a little bit on Rusty Harden, who represents Deshaun Watson, to maybe get somebody to blank, somebody to bend, somebody to do something so they can wrap these cases up. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, first off, I would think like, you know, it's like uh, Matt LaFleur told Jordan Love, like Tony Busby's got to be probably preparing for trial no matter what, right? That's going to be the tough thing to get ready for. And it's, yeah, adds to playing hardball. And acting like, you know, he's, they're not ready or the deal's not ready yet, whatever that may be, posturing. Um, but I, I will say this, like, you know, the, the quote we have at the bottom to me is like the most shocking thing of this so far. You know, with, with the NFL yet to interview Deshaun Watson, I don't know, am I crazy to think that why not? What's taken so long? Why hasn't that happened yet? You know, to get teams answers and get the ball rolling on – the availability or inavailability of Deshaun Watson, Mike? Inavailability is a simsism, first of all, which Welcome gives us one for the to day. Monday. You did flip coin earlier and yeah. you corrected yourself before <laughs> yes. it could lock in. You 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 didn't take your hand off the checker, so that one doesn't count. This but one inavailability does. does. Yes. Um <laughs> I, I know what the NFL would say about this. And you're you're referring to Rusty Harden's comment because he confirmed that settlement talks currently aren't happening. But he also told, I think it's KPRC in Houston, apologies if I got the letters out of order, KPRC was told by Harden that the NFL is yet to interview Watson. The NFL would say, and they've said in the past, we wait until the end. We wait until we've talked to everyone else before we talk to the accused. And that's generally a good approach when it comes to investigating situations like this. However, there are differences when it comes to Deshaun Watson. First of all, they can talk to him as many times as they want. It's not one shot. You can talk to him and you can talk to him again later if you need to. And to the extent that there is a preliminary process premised on deciding whether or not to put Deshaun Watson on paid leave, 
the preliminary investigation that they do to come to that conclusion, you would assume yes, that's, would include right. talking to Deshaun Watson. The standard is very is very broad. Without criminal charges, he could still be placed on paid leave if the commissioner believes he may have committed the kind of misconduct that falls into certain specific categories. And this conduct, if it's if it's true if, that he did it, it falls into the category. So you interview him. You come away from the interview with a belief. He's telling the truth. He's not telling the truth. Which one is it? I feel like that's a critical component to making a responsible decision on whether or not he should be paid on, put on paid leave. And as I've said recently, Chris, they owe it to him, the Texans, and anyone who would want to trade for him to come to that conclusion and yeah. let everybody know. Right. Right? Don't put people in limbo. Don't, don't make anyone have to guess. Complete your preliminary investigation. Talk to Watson and decide yes or no, up or down, paid leave or no paid leave. And and uh, otherwise, it's an incomplete investigation that you're relying upon to, to make your decision as to whether or not he's going to be put on paid leave. So yeah. I think they should be talking to right. him okay. now yeah. so they can decide whether or not to put him on paid leave. That, that I mean, that's, that's what jumped out to me. I mean, again, I'm no lawyer or have no history in that, but I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say the same thing because, yeah, I, that that's – as a fan, ex-quarterback, whatever, I mean, guy that's got friends in the NFL, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that are their lives are being affected a little bit here by the Deshaun Watson situation. And, yeah, it's also good for the Shield to settle this in some sort of capacity to, to give everybody, you know, the direction this is going or whatever. I mean, that's right now I just, yeah, I, I'm, I was surprised by that. that. That really jumped out to me and – I don't know where this is going to go, Mike, and I don't know how your gut feels about maybe something getting done here before training camp starts. Here's my cynical view. Yeah. My cynical view is that the NFL intentionally is creating ambiguity in the hopes that the cases settle. Because if the cases settle, the NFL has no decision to make at all other than what unpaid suspension, if any, will be imposed against Deshaun Watson. You never have to make the paid leave decision if the case is settled. Because if the case is settled, there's no prosecution, there's nothing there that would justify him being placed on paid leave. You just decide whether or not you, you suspend him the way you suspended long. Ben yeah, Roethlisberger. Right. Similar, similar reasoning for suspending Roethlisberger would apply to Watson. But I think maybe the NFL is being deliberately vague here just as a way to give both sides, and specifically Watson, an incentive to resolve the case and just move on. That makes sense. Uh, so uh, they got six weeks to figure it out before the start of camp. It was last week Nick Casario, the GM of the Texans, said as, as we get closer to camp, we'll make a good decision. There aren't many decisions to make. Trade him or keep him. That's the decision they need to make. We're going to take a break. When we return, we continue. Ambitious day today. We've got three more of the Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown to discuss. We'll do two of them when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.